Yo, what's up, guys? It's Zach Neal. How you doing? So listen, I have a question for you, and uh, just think about it. It's a serious question. If I told you that you could go on a vacation to anywhere in the world you wanted to go, um, and you could leave tomorrow, all expenses paid, and you would go for five days, right? But it's a it's a cheapy like economy trip. So you're gonna fly and coach and like tons of layovers and connecting flights, and it's only five days. And you know, um, you're gonna stay at like economy hotels, like you're gonna go in like a super eight motel or like a motel six, and your budget's only gonna allow for like fast food, like you're gonna eat like Pizza Hut and McDonald's and Subway and just you know, economy food because that's all the trip affords. But you are gonna get to go and it's not gonna cost you anything, it's just gonna be kind of a low budget trip and it's only five days. Or if you waited six months, you could go anywhere in the world you wanted to go for two weeks, all expenses paid, not an economy trip, first class travel, uh, first class flights, you stay in like the best hotels, you stay in like the Ritz Carlton Hotel Resort, uh, the best restaurants, the best food, uh, you know, money for shopping, everything to the max, like a total like baller trip, but you'd have to wait six months. Which one would you pick? Would you take the instant gratification and go tomorrow on the economy trip Or would you wait and take the trip with all expenses paid for two weeks versus five days and get all those amenities? I'll give you like five seconds to think about it. Okay, so if you pick the economy trip, stop listening to my podcast. Hang up right now. Go listen to something else. If you pick that you'd wait the six months and, and, you know, employ a little patience, right? And you'd wait, then we can continue on with uh, with this podcast. So... The reason why I brought that up and what I'm trying to talk about here is I recently heard somebody talking about burnout and that was like a popular phrase back when I was a kid. I would hear my parents talking about burnout and that's like, look, essentially it's working yourself to death, right? I don't personally don't believe in burnout, um, not in the traditional sense. I, I think you can definitely overwork, but the idea is that people are saying they're suffering from burnout or that they're, you know, they've overdone it or they've done too many things and the people, the sources that I've heard this coming from are people who like if they're, if they think that they are legitimately suffering from burnout, then like one fucking day in my life would, would physically kill them. If their life is giving them burnout, then one day in my life would would probably physically kill them. They'd be dead after doing one of my days. So, and that's not bragging. That's just a fact. And so I want to talk about burnout and I want to talk about the first analogy that I gave or the question that I asked you is going to be an important part playing back in, uh, in a little bit on as to why I asked that and what it means. But I just want to, I don't want to address the symptoms of burnout. I don't want to address overworking. There's a lot of popularity right now with this life balance thing. Like life is all about being happy, right? Everybody's talking about quality of life, like being happy, doing what you want to do, having good life balance. And life balance is like don't work too much. And there's a lot of like shaming going on in the world about people who work too much, especially like entrepreneurs like myself and real entrepreneurs who have been entrepreneurs before it was popular to be one. People who have been running their own businesses and companies for decades. Um, We're kind of getting shamed a little bit for like promoting this, you know, this hundred hour work week and all these crazy things. And people are like shaming and saying, oh, it's unhealthy. It's a life balance, life balance, whatever. But I will tell you flat out that life balance is a real thing. But life balance to me is perspective on what you really want to do. So as long as you're doing what you really want to do, you will not experience burnout. 
you will not experience the feeling of being overworked. Now, if you're doing something you hate doing and you don't wanna do, and you're being forced to go into a job that you hate and a career path that you don't wanna pursue and you're doing that like plus 70 hours a week, it's very possible that you could get burned out on that. But when you're doing what you wanna do, then what life balance really is, right? Life balance is really just about balancing the things that you want to do and the things that you need to do and getting a good harmony between them. Like spending time with your family is an important thing. So making sure that you, if that's something you want to do, then you're going to make that a priority. You're going to prioritize. No one's going to have to, no, look, no one ever has to tell me you need to spend more time with your daughters. No one has ever, literally ever had to even utter anything close to that to me. All I think about outside of work, okay, so there's like three things in the world that I love and that's it. Spending time with my family. Uh, fishing and riding motorcycles. So I guess it's four things. Fishing and riding motorcycles and working. But if I had to put them in the order of priority to my mind, what I want to do the most is spending time with my family. And when I say family, I mean all the people that I love, not just people that are related to me, all the people that I love, my closest friends, my loved ones, you know, and my family. And the the top of that list, the the number two people that I want to spend time with more than anyone are my daughters. Um, So, and then after that, it's work. And then after work, it's a close tie for third and fourth, you know, between uh, riding my motorcycles and going fishing. Okay, those are the things that I love to do, right? But work outside, and I can't even include spending time with family really in this list because that's like a whole different thing. That really isn't in the list of, so just put that to the side. That's a given that I wanna spend time with my family. Outside of that, the number one thing that I like to do more than anything is work. And I like nothing more than blasting out a 16 to 18 hour day because I love what I do. I love uh, playing the game. I don't love every aspect of it. I don't love the shitty moments and that stressful times. And some of the, in the moment, some of those things can be very hectic, but overall I love what I do. So I love playing the game. So when we talk about burnout and things, they talk about life balance, life balance is just prioritizing the things that you want to and should be doing and making sure that you're getting enough of each thing. In my case, I know when I've, when I feel fulfilled that I've spent enough time with my children and I know that they are, they're not missing me like crazy, like they feel fulfilled that they're spending enough time with me, then that's all it really takes. That That's all. I know that I've done my part. I feel good about it. They feel good about it. Daddy can go back to work. Sometimes going back to work just simply means like leaving their bedrooms and going downstairs and opening my laptop back up and getting my phone back out and, and just going back to work right where I am, you know, putting my head because I... I I tell people all the time, I'm constantly working. I'm never not working. I am always fucking working. I'm working when I'm eating. I'm working when I'm in the fucking shower. Since the, the iPhones became waterproof, I'm texting and taking calls. I did a, I did a, a full interview <laughs> with a popular magazine the other day about one of my new projects, a full like 30 minute interview in the shower. I had just gotten in the shower, my phone rang and I thought, well, if they hear the water in the background, I'll just say it's raining where I am. <laughs> And I'll tell a little white lie and do the interview. And they didn't comment on the background noise. And I did a 30-minute interview in the shower, right? I'm constantly working. The only time I'm not working is when someone else needs my attention. And then I take my attention off of work, which is really just saying I'm taking my head, my mind, from what I'm currently focused on, which is the thousands of thoughts that are going through my head every minute about work and my businesses and what I need to do and strategies and going and giving that my attention to that person or those people that need my attention and putting that to the side. And then when I'm done, 
I go back to it. So all this talk about life balance and people shaming the entrepreneur, overworking and all this stuff, to me it only applies if you're doing things that you don't want to do. If Look, if your dream was to be a singer, but instead you're managing a Home Depot store and you don't even like Home Depot and you don't even like working there, but your boss is requiring you like, or to get the, the promotion or the step up, you're working you know, 55 and 60 hour work weeks at Home Depot, you're gonna get pretty miserable pretty fucking quick because you're not fulfilling yourself. But when you fulfill your destiny, when you fulfill your true life passion and the thing you wanna do, you will never feel like you're working. You're never gonna feel burned out because you're doing something you love doing. It's like if you love playing baseball, then while you're playing baseball, you don't feel burned out. That doesn't mean that you never take a break from those things. It's just like really simple. It's like, yeah, even people who love playing baseball don't play baseball 24 hours, seven days a week. Sometimes they fucking also go skiing. Sometimes they also like play a video game. Sometimes they also watch a TV show or spend time with friends or go on dates. I mean, these people have lives outside of their passions as well. There's other things that they do and that's fine. When you talk about this healthy life balance and then if you don't have a healthy one, it leads to burnout, that's bullshit. If you're at risk of burning out, it's because you're not you're not pursuing things that you're really passionate about. A and B, if you're actually pursuing things that you like and that you're passionate about, then you could only be so fortunate that God would bless you and you'd have the ability to get to the point where you would burn out because that would mean that you were afforded the opportunity and the luxury of being able to chase something you love so hard that you were actually able to overdo it, that you were actually able to eat so much ice cream you gave yourself a bellyache. Like, go to a country where people are starving and tell them you're gonna give them the opportunity to eat until like they make themselves sick from eating too much. Essentially, that's what we're talking about, doing something you love or something you want or need and being able to do it to the point where like you can't take anymore. You would only be so fortunate if you actually could do that. And these little bitches that are talking about, uh, these grown ass men and women that are talking about being so burned out from their 40 hour work week are fucking jokers and you should mute anybody that's talking like that and not let any of their bullshit into your ears. Back to the very first question that I asked and the reason why I brought that up and it's important about which vacation you would take. The reason why I pose that is because everyone's talking about you're on this big kick about happiness. Everybody should try to be happy, try to be happy, try to be happy. I brought that up because which one of those trips would make you more happy? Clearly the second choice. The two week, top of the line, first class, best of the best, one in a lifetime opportunity to like see the place that you want to go more than anywhere in the world in luxury and first class would be a way better experience that would make you way happier than taking the economy trip because you know what the economy trip leaves you hungry the economy trip is like just getting an appetizer and no main course oh i got to go but like oh we didn't get to do this because we didn't have the money we didn't get to go there no we never got to go to there we never went to black beach because we didn't have the money we didn't get to go to the big pyramid because we didn't you know we couldn't take that trip we didn't get to stay in the hotel with the you know the fucking eternity fountain we didn't get to go you know all of those things leave you hungry because you didn't get to do them when you when you go the first class route you get to do everything but then the question is the difference would have been and what's the difference between the two trips the two trip difference is this trip one would be based on what you could afford today right even if someone else is paying for it we still have to be based in a world of what you can afford right just to make the analogy make sense trip two is 
having six months to go antiquing and garage selling and Craigslisting and using the Facebook marketplace and selling off everything that you don't use anymore and picking up a couple extra shifts and saving everything with your with your significant other for your best friend or whatever for six months to pay for that trip. And that's the work ethic that I'm talking about, putting into the things you're passionate about. See, people are inherently lazy. Not everybody, but lots of people that I've noticed are inherently lazy. They dream about days off. They can't wait for vacations. These are these fucking people that I've talked about in multiple podcasts that they live for the vacation. It's all they fucking talk about all the time. Can't wait till the spring, taking a trip to Mexico. Like, who fucking cares? That is that what you want them to write on your tombstone? Once went to Mexico? Big fucking deal. If you do this right, if you do this right, you could buy a fucking house, a mansion in Mexico in the vacation town you're gonna go to and spend every fucking weekend there after you're 50 years old and took, you know, for the rest of your life. If you do it right, you can buy a fucking island. If you do it right, you on the smallest level, if you do it right, you can take that trip to Mexico four times a year, every fucking year. These people that live for the vacation, that they just can't wait to get out of work. They can't wait till Friday comes. Motherfucker, I can't wait till Monday comes. I can't. That's not propaganda. That's not bullshit. That's the truth. I go on the weekends. I always spend the weekends with my kids unless I'm traveling. Don't get me wrong. I love to spend time with my kids. But when when I know when Sunday night comes and I've read like the final bedtime story and the kids are tucked in and I'm like, I'm getting ready for bed myself. And that thought comes over me that like, I'm back on me time. Like I've just given, you know, 48 straight hours to my children. Like from Friday night at nine o'clock until Sunday night at nine o'clock, I gave every bit of myself to my kids. We went 500 different places. I bought them some shit. We played every game you could imagine. We played board games and card games and we watched Harry Potter movies and we did everything that we could do. And now it's, I'm back. It's like that moment where it's like, shit, I'm back on me time. I get excited that I get to go back to work the next day. I don't get excited that I'm not gonna see my kids the next day. I'm always bummed about that. I'm always like, shit, it sucks that the weekend's over. I had a great time with my kids, but the silver lining in the cloud is I get to go back to work and I don't wait until Monday morning. I go back right then. It's 9, 10 and I'm already back on my laptop blasting out emails and reminders and making a list for the week because I'm fucking pumped. I am fucking pumped about going back to work. So fuck all this life balance bullshit. A balanced life is the easiest thing. You don't need to pay anybody for their bullshit advice on how how you can live a balanced life. Look, man, it's, you want it, You want the answer, the fucking secret, it's so simple. A balanced life is whatever you're doing that makes you happy. Then your life is balanced, period. A balanced life is balancing the things in your life that you want to and need to and are obligated to do. Because not everybody can just do everything they want all the time. You have obligations, you have to be there for other people, but it's balancing those things out in a manner that it's fair and it works for you. There's your balanced life. I'll give you some other real big fucking life hacks that you can avoid spending thousands of dollars on books and seminars and a bunch of other bullshit that you don't need. Eat a healthy diet. Try to eat a mostly, if you could eat all plant-based diet, great, but try to eat a mostly plant-based diet. Try to eat organic foods. Don't eat fast food. Don't eat fried food. Don't eat junk food. Don't smoke. Don't overconsume alcohol or drugs exercise regularly and your life will be balanced. Do not pursue things that do not make you happy. If your job makes you miserable, try to find another job. Take a hint. 
Don't do something that makes you miserable forever. Sometimes you have to take a job and you have to eat some shit for a while when and during a rough time or when you're trying to eat, make ends meet. That's all normal stuff. Don't do it for too long. Don't waste your life. You're only going to be here one time. You get one at bat. Make the most out of this life. Don't let the years get away from you. Don't waste it. Do the best you can with what you were given. But this life balance bullshit, it's really not that hard. Work as much as you want to work. And, and money is not the measure of success, okay? But I am going to tell you right now that money enhances your life. I've talked about this in other podcasts. Money is not the root of happiness. Money is a happiness enhancer. You could be super, super happy making $10,000 a year and living on food stamps. There's plenty of people who are poor that are happy. I used to be one of them. I used to be poor. And I was, there was many, many happy years and happy times in my life when I was poor. Now that I am not poor, I will tell you flat out that I am much happier now because all the things that I used to enjoy before when I was poor, I still enjoy mostly the same shit now, but I get to enjoy it at a much bigger level. Like I have loved riding motorcycles since I was a kid, but when I was like 25, I couldn't afford a motorcycle. And if I could, it would have been like a junker, something I would have gotten in like, you know, in the classified section of the newspaper for 500 bucks. And it would like sometimes work. I enjoy riding motorcycles so much more now that I'm able to afford to have lots of them and new ones and classic ones and, you know, whatever I want, I can get it. And that has raised the level of enjoyment for me to ride motorcycles, to be like, yeah, I have a Harley that I fucking love. I've got two Triumphs that I fucking love. I've got a quad that I fucking love. I've got a dirt bike that I fucking love. Like I I own the motorcycles that I'm in love with. So for me, this is like the easiest thing in the world. I'm riding the bikes that I love much happier than when I was riding a junker. I love going fishing. Now I can afford to go fishing more because I'm my own boss. So if I just feel like taking off a day from work and going fishing, I can do that. I don't often do it because again, I like working more than I like fishing, but if I want to, I can. So money has enhanced that, but money is not, money is not the source of your happiness. It's a happiness enhancer. Go back to the vacation analogy. You could have a nice vacation and be happy on an economy budget. People do it every day, but you would have a much better experience on the first class trip. And that's what it's all about. So fuck burnout. Work as much as you want to work towards the things you're passionate about. If your goal is to be rich, if your goal is to be a billionaire, if you're money oriented, then you're going to have to work really hard all the time. There's no fucking fast pitch where like you get to put in three hours a day at night and you become a billionaire. That's not going to happen. I'm telling you, getting to getting your business, not even your person, getting your business to million dollar status is like 70 hour work weeks for a long time. Getting yourself as a person to millionaire status is like 80 hour work weeks for a very long time. Taking the, the step to billionaire status is you plus a team of like 40 working 80 hour weeks in tandem side by side and also having an amazing product or idea or service that is so unbelievable, you know, cornering a market. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but to keep this at 20 minutes or less, which is my goal nowadays to try to keep these things shorter and sweeter. Fuck burnout. Don't listen to that background noise. You want to balance life and you want to be self-aware, get self-aware on this motherfucker. Do the things that you want to do that you're passionate about and prioritize the things in your life that are important and your life is automatically balanced. You love your children, spend as much time as you can spend with them. You love your career and what you do, do it as much as you're capable of doing it. All of those things, do them to the fucking nines and your life is balanced. And as long as you're comfortable with the way that you're living, 
you're balanced. You don't need anybody to tell you otherwise. Follow me on all social media at the real Zach Neal. If you want to talk, DM me on Instagram, share the podcast with someone, you know, see ya. Hey, what's up? It's Zach Neal. How you guys doing? Hope you're having a great day, a great week, a great month, a great year. Hope everything's positive and good in your life. Today, I want to talk about disadvantage. Um, it seems like it's a popular topic right now is, is disadvantage. Everybody is harping on things like white privilege, male privilege, uh, two things, by the way, which I am. Um, they're talking about, you know, poverty versus rich versus poor, uh, you know, gender gap, wage gap, all these things. And I, and I am certainly not saying that there's no validity to these conversations. There, there certainly is. And for a long time in our country, certain groups of people have certainly been born into disadvantage, whether it be gender inequality or racial inequality or whatever. Uh, this has definitely been an issue in our country. And, and there's no denying that there has been uh, massive inequality in America uh, for a long time. However, I see a massive improvement now. It's, it's better now than it ever has been. That doesn't mean that we're done. It doesn't mean we still don't have a distance to go. But that's not really what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is acknowledging that there is disadvantage in not only in our country, but in the world. And there always has been from the dawn of time. There's acknowledging that. And then there's using that as an excuse for your own failure or your own inaction. And that's the problem that I have with it. Being that I'm a white male, you would think that in the United States of America, I would have been born into a privileged situation. And I'm here to tell you that indisputably that is incorrect. I was born into a poor family uh, that was full of drug addicts and alcoholics. I was raised in a religious cult where I didn't have access to the outside world. And I was very, very poor most of my life. I didn't have health insurance of any form until I was in my, you know, late 20s was the first time I ever had health insurance. I mean, I wasn't even able to visit the doctor or do basic things like that because of the level of poverty that I lived in. There was a time where I got hurt in a bicycle accident when I was a kid and my leg got ripped through. I got impaled on a metal bar and it was so bad that the muscle, the actual muscle of my leg was outside of my leg. It was ripped open and outside and uh, I didn't go to the hospital. You know, my dad shoved pieces and parts back into my leg and wrapped it with tape and some other things. And, you know, it, it healed up eventually. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was more of my play. And I'm not here to use as use that as an excuse. I'm actually here to tell you that I'm so thankful for that experience, for being born into what I was born into, because without it, I would have never been able to become who I am today. I would have never been able to become me uh, because I wouldn't have been hungry. So let me tell you about the trust fund kids and the rich kids and the rich white kids that I know and some of the rich black kids that I knew that were born into great privilege um, and what kind of fucking nightmares they all are. Every single one of them, bar none, is a nightmare. Um, I knew a family. I've talked about them before in my past. They were from Trinidad. They were a black family. I grew up around them through, you know, the religious circles that my parents ran in and church functions and became friends with uh, their boys. And we grew up uh, together. We spent years, you know, hanging out and being friends and that kind of stuff. But they were very wealthy. Um, their parents were very wealthy. They were the ones that lived in, like, the mini mansion and had the matching white Mercedes and had 
a very perfect life, house cleaners, the, the whole nine yards. And as we got older, their kids turned into fucking nightmares, drugs, alcohol, crime, you know, the whole nine yards, because they just didn't have a footing on reality. And more importantly than not, they weren't hungry for anything because they had everything their whole life you know anything they wanted they just had it they never had to work for anything so they were bored and boredom drove them to drugs and other things and trying to do other things and it was just a bad scenario uh all the way around it was a bad bad situation um so with that said i had the same experience even worse with some of my white privileged friends that were born into privilege one guy in particular that I met later in life was in his mid-20s but was born into a very wealthy family had silver spoon shoved all the way up his ass had literally I mean his parents built him a million dollar recording studio legitimately because he showed a slight interest in music at one point and this kid nice kid but just could not keep his hands off the drugs no matter what he did never wanted anything didn't know the value of a dollar didn't want to work so every every kid that I've met that came from a privileged family has been a zero. They've done nothing with their lives. Moderate, very, very moderate success. Um, they just haven't accomplished anything because they're not hungry. They never wanted for anything. They never needed anything. Everything that they ever could have thought about or wanted was handed to them. And when you're in a situation where things are just handed to you all of the time, you're not hungry. So back to my other point, without the the way that I was raised and the house that I was brought up in, I would have never been hungry for anything and not being hungry would have never led me to the path I'm on. So when we talk about things like white privilege and race inequality and gender inequality and poverty inequality and things like that, we're not disavowing them. We're not saying that they're not real. They are real. They're every fucking bit real. I can tell you they're real because I was raised in it. There were kids that weren't allowed to play with me or be around me because my family was trashy. There was, you know, all the way from the social inequality down to the financial inequality. I didn't have the opportunities that other people had. I didn't have the same opportunities. There was no opportunity for me to go to college. There was no opportunity for me to get a good higher education. There was no opportunity for me to have a car to drive. I had to drive a junk car and, you know, a handy down from somebody else who legitimately just felt bad for my family and like gave us a car. I didn't get the advantages that other people around me were getting for, for certain. So we can acknowledge the inequality. We can acknowledge it, but that's as far as it should go. The acknowledgement should be made on a personal level. And then after that, you have to take that shit and throw it in the garbage where it belongs. If you were born into disadvantage, you are lucky. I know some of you might think you're fucking crazy for saying that or how can a white dude tell a black dude that he's lucky to be born into a country where he had, you know, unequal rights. I can't speak to the the path of of a black person because I'm not black. What I can speak to is inequality as a whole. Acknowledging it is one thing. Letting it control your life is another thing. So, and for every, for every race, gender, whatever, there's an example that you can show of someone rising out of it. The best example in modern history for a black person would be the president of the United States, Barack Obama, rising from a split home where he didn't have a real relationship with his father, a divorced family, all the way up to the president of the United States, attending Ivy League schools. Barack Obama never let his skin color inhibit him from what he wanted to do. Other people 
might have tried to inhibit him because of his skin color. And this is the next point I want to touch on. Other people will certainly try to use your disadvantage against you. Other people will try to use your disadvantage to hold you back or to keep you low. But guess what? That's their fucking problem. That's not your problem. Fuck them for trying, but you're, you're not going to let them win. So I guarantee you that there were dozens and dozens of times in Barack Obama's life where people tried to use his skin color as a way to keep him down, where they tried to use his quote-unquote disadvantage in this country to keep him low or to keep him from rising, but he did not allow it. He rose to the occasion, and probably every in every one of those instances, it probably fueled him even harder to be hungrier, to be more determined. See, inequality and adversary builds determination, it builds strength, and it builds Watch will. If you want something, you can get it. There's no question about it. No one can stop you from getting what you want to get. Only you can stop yourself. So we acknowledge inequality. We acknowledge all of these things. We admit that they're real. Sure, white privilege is real. Of course it's real. You're in a country that is predominantly white and has been, the majority of this country has been, for most of its history, around 90 or more percent white. Of course, there's going to be white privilege because it's a majority rule society. So white people are making all the laws. White people are controlling everything. White people are going to do for white people. As long as people recognize the separation of races, that's how it's going to be. I'm I'm sorry to tell you, it's just it's not going to change in a generation unless people stop acknowledging race as a divider and they start uniting as as human beings. That's not going to change. So, of course, white privilege is real. I'm not a denier. Of course the gender inequality is is real and the wage gap is real. Of course, all of those things are real. You're talking about groups of people who were systematically oppressed, women, minorities, systematically oppressed for years. And now the laws have changed and the rules have changed. But that stuff doesn't just correct, you know, in one generation. It takes a long time because it's not just the laws that need to be updated. It's the hearts and minds of the people in society that need to be updated. And that's where we're at in today's world. We're in the hearts and minds business now. Right now, that's that's the game we're in. We're changing hearts and minds. We're in a time where the, the, the newest generations, um, you know, I'm talking about people between the age of like newborn to like, you know, 30 years old, for the most part are of the mindset that they don't really recognize race as a divider anymore. Um, but there's still some older generations out there and unfortunately some people in power that make some rules. So we acknowledge that these things exist, but we don't let them hold us back. So in my, I can speak to my own path. Poverty, social inequality, raised in a religious cult, uh, in a house that had drug addicts and alcoholics and violence and some crazy things. I was at a massive disadvantage from the time I came out of my mother's belly. Uh, I was at a massive disadvantage to other people around me. That disadvantage created a drive in me. I saw other families, I saw other people, what they had, how they lived, quality of life things, and I wanted it. And it made me want it so bad that I was willing to break my fucking ass to get it. If you're not willing to bust your ass to get the things you want, then you're wasting everybody's fucking time, honestly. You're wasting your own time. Then you're just one of the the talking heads, you're just bitching about things. So when I hear people talk about inequality, you you can be a black dude or a black woman and you can say, there's white privilege in this country. You can absolutely say that, and I'll be right next to you to agree with it. And you can say it's fucked up and it needs to change, and I'll be right there next to you agreeing with you 100% and doing whatever I can to change it. But when you tell me that you can't because of it, you've lost me. 
and I'm never going to agree with you because I, I have known so many can-do black people in my life and I have so many good examples of people that I aspire to be like. There's dozens and dozens of them. And if you look at the fucking winners, look at what black people, look at what that community has accomplished since the 60s. They are dominating the entertainment business, dominating sports, dominating music, dominating business, tech, development. They're, they're branching out on educational fronts, on athletic fronts. They're, they're making such an impact on the world that they're undeniable now. And they've done that. What It took white people, by the way, like a thousand years to get their shit together. Black people have done it in America in like 40 years. You know, they've like really got their shit together. So when someone says white privilege or racial inequality has prevented me from becoming successful, I'm sorry, you're wrong. In that situation, you prevented yourself from becoming successful. The same thing with anybody. Because imagine me on my platform saying, I could have been, I could have and should have been a giant fucking loser. There was nothing in my path that was like angled towards success. I should have been a big fucking waste of space. But instead... I made something out of myself, but if I hadn't, I could be sitting here going, because I was raised poor, because of the way I was brought up, because of the opportunities that I didn't get, I was never able to become successful, and it would just be a huge fucking cop-out. You can't accept that, because if you accept that, then you're accepting, (laughs) you're accepting that other people had so much power over you that you were too weak to rise up and do anything about it. Do you think that Jay-Z or Kanye West would have been more successful than they are had they been white? Fuck no. They dominated a black industry and then they fed it to white people and got white people to buy it and support the fuck out of it. Smart. Smart. Probably, even though Kanye is crazy as fuck, those are probably two of the most brilliant people in the music industry ever, right? Smart. Dr. Dre is another one of them. Brilliant. I I use them as examples because I came up in the music industry and so I always admired them because these guys had to work harder longer and better and smarter than everybody else. Fucking hip-hop artists were the first one to cut the real 360 deals, the fragrance line, the clothing line, the big deals with department stores. I mean, these guys were like light years ahead of us. I was strumming a guitar, you know? I was strumming a guitar and, and hoping for the best. These guys were making fucking fragrances. So, bottom line, we acknowledge inequality, but we don't let it control us. If you want to be something, go fucking be it. If anybody tries to use some inequality bullshit against you to, like, hold you back, fuck them. That's their problem, not your problem. You got to adapt that underdog mentality. See, underdogs are the best. You're like a fucking, you're like a ghost. Nobody sees you coming. Let them not see you coming, right? It's not about being fancy. Let them think that you're a downtrodden motherfucker, that you don't know what you're doing, that you're dumb, that you're uneducated, that you're poor, that whatever it is that that society might make a ruling on you. Let them think that. That's their fucking problem. In the meantime, you just go win. 